0: Amen. And yes, amen, amen, Lord. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Good morning, church. Um, Our Bible reading this morning will be taken from the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10 to 16. Chapter 17 from verse 10 to 16. After the reading, I'll end by saying this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I am Dami, and I'm a man of like passions. I'm one of the leaders in the City Church, yeah. But I'm a man of like passions. And my life's goal, my life's goal, I hope that this is how my life will, will go, and this is what I hope will be said you know, about my life, is that people will look at me and say, God's word is real, like God's word is real. And I've been reading um, the word of God since, you know, since for a while now. But every time I get to James, I find it very hard to believe him about what he says about Elijah. Like, how can he say that Elijah is a man like, like me? I can say Elijah is a man of like passion. Elijah, Elijah is Elijah is a human being like me. Like you, like, can you believe that? I never really very hard to believe. And even when the Salmon series was announced, oh man of like passion, Elijah did this, now nah did that. I say, okay, we'll see. But as the series has begun and progressed in the first salmon, the second salmon. Yes, I can see it's beginning to enter, you know, small, 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 small. It's dropping. Um, trickle by trickle. But as I even spent time, you know, meditating on this word, on this text, this passage I read, just this small portion, I think I'm I think I'm believing. I think I'm becoming a believer. Because you see that in just these few verses, from ten to sixteen, or from seven to sixteen, or from one to this sixteen, that's pastor premier preached form that told me to preach from last week and I'm going to preach from today. You see that Elijah is not really a powerful man. Actually, he's not a powerful man at all. Like, indeed, he's a person, he's a human being like us. The guy was thirsty, like, was thirsty. Like, this great Elijah was thirsty, and he was hungry. It wasn't just that. Like, the guy begged. The great Elijah, he begged. Like, he begged for food. From this woman. you say, and please give me a piece of bread. He begged for water. He first asked for drink, like for water. This guy actually reminds me of me, you know, actually, because he's not just beg; he begged with style. He begged as if he begged a choice. You said he begs now. <laughs> you know that when we preached last week, tell me, so that, Oh, God directed him to carrot ravine, and God told him. Um, Ravens will bring food for you, and you'll be drinking from a brook. But look at what he had in verse 10. Elijah, who had been drinking from a brook, and I asks, please, can you get me water to drink from a jar? Someone has to, like. That's why to drink water from a brook. Now, he's saying, give me, I need a jar. Sty. Like, you know, actually, you know, it reminds me of me a lot. I just remember how... You know, I used to look down on those people that they would say, all those kids, when I was in school, they looked, on, looked down on those kids, they would say, and uh, the would, parents would give them money to school, give them food money, give them transfer money. Then, somehow, somehow, they would spend everything. When I get to the bus stop. they are not really give us money to lap them. I'd be yabbing at some kind of rubbish. Train me well. So now I was not in school, I was coming from a bad UI. You know Somehow, somehow, I don't know whether it's the presence or the absence <laughs> that was following me or that left me. I child managed manage to get to my two. And I was going to Ajangbadi, but well, my money had finished. So I was there, looking, ah, what am I going to do? I can't trek very well. Like, people that know me know that I trek a lot. Like, trekking is not a problem. I've always been a trekker. <laughs> but to trek from my two to Ajangbadi, ah, check it on Google Maps. So. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so I waited there, and I was looking. I was wondering, ah, who is going to help me? Who is going to help me? So I will study the people. Or I say, ah, maybe, maybe I should look for a pregnant woman. She will have pity. And say, ah, my son, I have a child. I'm carrying somebody like you. Or maybe want you want a back. Or an older woman. Or an older man. Like, no, 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 no. Come on, or these useless children. They will give you money. I didn't want speech or TED Talk or any prep. This thing. So I kept engaging, looking for the kind of person that I would just go to. As I went to come to the person, the person will just notice me like Immanuel's mother noticed him and say, I know what you need. <laughs> You need transports. <laughs> I was there like that, looking for his style. You see, I am like Elijah. Elijah is like me. In fact, Elijah reminds me of those praying pastors at car parks. <laughs> and the Moloes. You take mall-way. You know those guys. So they are those ones that will come to the car park. They're those ones, most of those fools like, up. you need to let us, where they go? I got an exam to write for school. I don't go sell markets. Move, move, move. As you are saying that I'm ordering the driver, that's when over the pastor will show. Peace be unto the bus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then they start give these shots, only, give these shots to someone. It doesn't really, most night it does not. It goes with the back and forth here and there. And then I will not say this gigantic prayer. Anything that happened with this bus will not happen to you. Things that happen in this way will not happen to you. pray, 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 pray? You'll be thinking, ah, they love you. It's the someone and it's the prayer. Then I will not give you the main message. I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like the Spirit of God. Is touching on your board. You see, money is how the gospel moves. So if any of you feel like you want to give towards the ministry, I don't mind. It's not forced, but if you can, and they will not give people round, collect money. That is why they came. But well, those ones in West, after the, you are tired, you've come back from work and you're, you know, weak and all, and somebody will just stand up. If you are unfortunate, the person will be in front of you, <laughs> and the person will stand up and then start preaching with a big megaphone and calling down brimstone and fire and all that. This is who. I'm reminded of when I look at Elijah. You see, Elijah is not asking the widow. This is a widow. This is a widow. A widow that does not have husband. Elijah is not asking her. Can I marry you and provide for you? Elijah did not say that. Elijah did not even say because in verse ten we see that you see and the woman was at uh, the widow was at the gate gathering sticks so that she can go and cook food for her son and uh, for herself and her son to eat. Elijah did not say, "Ah, let me help you and gather sticks." No. What did Elijah say? Elijah said, please, give me food. And then Elijah even went on to say, he didn't just ask for food. Elijah said, do my own food first. One commentator said that. This guy has seen all kinds of fundraising. He has seen all kinds of things. He said, "Mm -mm, I've seen fundraising. No, I've seen fundraising. But this is one of the worst kind of predatory fundraising I've ever seen in my life. And I want you to know something. It is probably a misuse of this verse. Or maybe that is one way to interpret this text. But I don't think that this is how this text should primarily be interpreted. You know, people often say, do my own first. It means that if you do God's own first, then God will not bless you with your own. There is more going on here. Because if you look carefully, in verse 9, go to Elijah. He said, I have directed a widow to supply you with food. You see, Elijah was not directed to supply the widow food. The widow was directed to supply Elijah with food. So if anything, the widow seemed to be in a better condition than Elijah. The widow still had flour. Remember, he said, I have a little flour in my jar. The widow still had olive. He said, I have a little olive in my jug. The widow had a jug. <laughs> the widow had a jar. The widow said, I'm gonna prepare food. I want to pe- gather these things to prepare a meal that I can take home. The widow had a home. The widow had a son. He said, i prepare food from take home for myself and my son. The widow had a son. In fact, in this home, because later in 1724, we saw that, we'll see next week, that he just stayed with this widow. So that means the home even had a guest room. <laughs> but what does Elijah have? Shingbai. I agree with James. I agree with James. Elijah is a man of like passions. He is. So, but what made him seem so powerful? What made him seem so powerful? We'll get to that. But guys, I want us to see that this is a time of famine. Men and women, boys and girls are starving. You see, I want us to see that there is no bread because Man is trying to live by bread alone. This is what I want us to see today. Man is trying to live by bread alone. This is the title of this sermon. Man shall not live by bread alone. You see, and where does this text primarily come from? This, this line, this this phrase, man shall not live by bread alone. It comes from Deuteronomy 8, verse 2 to 3. What does it tell us? What does it tell us about? 8 2 to 3. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Three, So what this is. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. To do what? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on what? but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Why does God hunger? Why does God bring this famine? It is not really so that God will actually provide food and show his glory. That is one. But God is saying when he brings his famine and when he's providing his bread, it is so that these guys may know that the word, the commands, the instructions of God is important. And that is what we ought to live by. Man shall not live by bread alone. So in two parts. First, we'll see that man shall die by bread alone. And then the second part, man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall die by bread alone. You see, verse 7, what do we see in verse 7? Verse 7 tells us that so the brook dried up because there was no rain. So the brook dried up in the land because there was no rain. You see, there is famine in this land. There is drought because there is no rain. And there is no rain because what? The word of God has said that there will be no rain. And you must understand this, that Israel occupied the rocky islands of Canaan. You see, the present day Jerusalem, the hills to the north of it, you see, it was not a fertile place. Even in the best of years, it took enormous efforts to bring out sustainers from this ground. And the rainy seasons were very brief. In fact, in Syria and Arabia, which included this Zarephath that God said he to, and even Samaria, where the people of God were, the fruits of the earth must ever be dependent on rain. That is how one scholar puts it. He says, if therefore the heavy rains of November and December fail, the sustainers of the people is cut off. In the patching drought of harvest time, so no rain means there is no productive farming. No productive farming means that there is no food. So there's a famine. You see, in verse six, this is how you begin to see how bad the famine is, get, the famine is getting. You see, in verse six, we learn that the ravens brought in bread. They brought Elijah bread and meat in the morning one, 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 and bread and meat in the evening, two, and he drank from the book, one, one. Bala, two square meals. But look at what has happened in verse 11. You see, and this meal not like, no, raving foods, deliver it to his doorstep. But look at verse 11, look at things that have gotten worse. When he goes to the woman, he let her not say, ah, it's bread and meat that I've been eating, you this is my normal Diets. If I'm going to do the work of God, bread and meat, nothing else. No, he just say, "Please bring me what a piece of bread, no meat." <laughs> the famine is hard. They say that there is food scarcity, and you're only big gen. <laughs> you're only AC. You better drag the small gen out, put on starting fan. This is Elijah's plight. The famine is real. Bring me a piece of bread. But from who was Elijah asking? Who was Elijah asking from? A widow. She's a widow. She has lost her husband. She has lost her breadwinner. Breadwinner. Who knows if this widow's husband had died in the famine? Who knows if this widow's husband had died because of the famine? He said, the widow in those, in those days were like the poorest of the poorest. It's not like this hashtag single moms, so. Oh, where single mom, double also everything. And man, you know, not really doing one job in the morning, job job at night. is going well. There's even no distance. No. The widow in this time was the poorest of the poorest. She was a woman. That meant she was even looked down inside. she was poor. And then she was a Gentile. Like God was sending Elijah, a man of God, to people that were no ease. This widow was just a radical choice by God. And look at verse 10. It says she was gathering sticks at the gates, alone. Okay, there is no husband to help you. There is no breadwinner. But what about a son? Because we know that she has a son in verse 12. Was the son too young? Oh, or maybe her son was most likely starving. Oh, maybe he was too weak to help her. The famine is real. So what does the widow say in verse twelve? What does the widow say? Like, give me a piece of bread. What does the widow say? The widow say, I don't have any bread. I don't have any bread. Me too. I am starving. We are going through the same famine. I don't have any bread. No bread. And remember, this widow stays in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. You remember Sidon from the first sermon. His father shows in 1 Kings sixteen thirty one. What does he say about Sidon? He says, see, Sidon, he was talking about Ahab, the king of Israel. The people that Elijah sent his word to, he said, Ahab not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbar, which means with Baal, this God, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. This Baal, that had come to mess up the land of Israel. This was his domain. This was his main place. This was his cabal. And if you need to know anything about this Baal, Baal was thought to be the god of storms. That's what they praised the mass. He was the god of storms. It was the god that held power over rain and fertility. Baal was believed to periodically die, submitting to the god of death, mort. That's the name of the God of death. Before coming back to life, during when, guess, he dies, oh, he hibernates. And then he comes back to life during when? The rainy season. <laughs> chilling, chilling God. Just let God go and chill. Rainy season, I'll just appear. But now there is no rain. So Baal is dead. So Baal cannot rise up. This Baal is like Nepalite in some areas when it rains. Doesn't show up. It's like this ball is using some mobile networks, networks when it rains. Like you say, hello, 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 hello. Are you hearing me? I, I, hello, hello. I, I can't hear you. Hello, hello. This is this ball. So, so that when the widow responds to Elijah and says, "I don't have any bread," she's not saying. She's not just saying, oh, we are, are we not in this farming together? No. She's not just saying, me too, I have serious hunger. No, she's talking about something deeper that is beneath this hunger. Look at her response to Elijah in verse 12. See so what he says. Elijah asks her, please give me a piece of bread. Look at what the woman said. Bread, oh, look at how she started. He said, as surely as the Lord your... Hey, what God? Please give me bread. You have. You don't have. Just say, I don't have bread. As surely as... See, this widow was not just talking about bread or hunger. She was talking about sea. She's saying that Elijah's God lives, but she's implicitly acknowledging the death of her own God. She's saying, how can you, Baal, God of rain and fertility, how can you remain dead? She's saying, oh... This is the only thing. This is only this is this is what you are meant to do. To provide rain so that we can have bread. How can you fail me? Uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. You are supposed to give bread so that I can live. What is the point of serving you? What is the point of committing all of my life and years to you? What is the point of living for you? This is what she's expressing. She's expressing the hunger beneath the hunger she's expressing a spiritual hunger for meaning and satisfaction. This is what she's saying. What am I saying? What I am saying is that, yes, Tommy told us last week that God can bless us with bread, with the bread of jobs, with the bread of marriages, businesses, children, success, good health, friends, through supernatural and natural means. Amen. 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 But I am saying that you can have this bread, you can enjoy this kind of bread and still be hungry. I'm saying that you can have this kind of bread and still be famished, starved even. There's a famine out here, people. And some of you, some of us are experiencing it already. You have some or all of these things, jobs, marriages, friends, like career, success. Some of us have some or all of these things. Yet, you are not sure if all of your making and getting actually matters if it actually makes any difference, if it actually accomplishes anything beyond yourself. You still feel like your life is meaningless. You still feel scared. You feel lonely. You feel hopeless. You feel lost. You may not even be able to describe it. For a as the writer says, it's like a stomach-level sadness. It's just there, even when you can't even just explain it. It's just there, Somewhere. And if those who have this bread, this kind of bread, and are living by it can feel this way, how much more do those who haven't accomplished anything or as much in this life? How much more then? You are just chilling, laughing, at people's WhatsApp, Instagram stories over and over. And then suddenly out of nowhere, you those WhatsApp stories, nothing, nothing concerning. And out of nowhere, you just suddenly start to cry. He's a is that is mixed with smile. You're just, you're just crying. You're wondering. <sighs> you just begin to feel that it's too late for you. That life has passed you by. That others, you begin to feel that like other people's achievements begin to bring you pain as you see that you cannot meet up. You're even doing the work of your dreams. You know, you're doing the work of your dreams, but you've overdone it. you become a machine. You go to work one day, and then you realize that it's Sunday. Huh? And today, Sunday, you have worked yourself not. You're not longer human fully. You've become more like a machine. The work that is was the work of your dreams and brought you so much money, blah blah, blah has made you to become a machine. It's lost meaning. Or you just discover that you go to work and actually you you've completed all your checklists, but you're just there on a Sunday morning, just chilling, because that is all your life has become. Okay. Guys, I know this well, but the lady puts it better, Veronica Ray Saron, look at how she puts it. She says, conversation after conversation, it has become more and more clear Those among us with flashy Instagram accounts, perfectly manufactured LinkedIn profiles, and confident exteriors are probably those who are feeling the most confused, anxious, and stuck when it comes to the future. The millennial 20-something stuckness sensation is everywhere and there is a direct correlation between those who feel it and those who put off A vibe of feeling extremely secure. Guys, I know you may see 20-something millennial year-old stock sensation, but I know 50-year-olds who have this sense of meaninglessness, this sense of inadequacy. I've spoken to them. They feel as hopeless as someone sent to a widow in Zarephath, Sidon, for food during a famine when their god, Baal, is resting in peace. This meaninglessness, this disconnectedness, this dissatisfaction, this angst, is one of the leading causes of today's mental health problems. And some have gone on to consider, some have gone on to attempt, or to even commit suicide. Tell me, don't you know, or haven't you heard of at least one or two or three people who have no known record or diagnosis of clinical mental challenges who went on to take their lives? And your close friends say, you say lie, uh-uh. Tunji, Tunji that was with the guys chilling yesterday. Oh, no, 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 Chikodi. Chikodi is, <laughs> is the life wire of our circle. why do we deal with this how do we deal with this look at verse 12 again the widow is saying the widow I am gathering sticks to take home and prepare a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die ah that we may eat it and that struck me that struck me saying, that we may eat it and die all oh, the finality in our tone. can you sense it it's a certain detachment from life like eat it and die like. Abi, what are we going to do? This is this is what like this is all that I, we eat it and die in You see, in some of us, this is how we do. We try to deal with this hunger, this dissatisfaction, by trying not to think too much about these kind of things. Like, hey, I just enjoy today. I yolo. I only live once. I enjoy today. I don't hope for anything too much, so that I don't really feel this this disappointment. Mm, no. But see what David Brooks says in the second mountain. He located this, this unsatisfaction, this sadness. He located it in our soul. And this is what he says. He says, This is in our soul. And this is how he describes this. He says, the odd thing, I want you to listen attentively. The odd thing about the soul is that while it is powerful and resilient, it is also reclusive. You can go years without really feeling without really feeling the force of its yearning. You are enjoying the pleasures of life, you are building your career. It is amazing how untroubled you can be year after year while your soul is out there somewhere far away. But eventually, it owns you down. Some of us may not know it yet. Or you may know it, but it may not be bothering you so much for now. Just once in a while. It just comes in. On those sleepless nights. A certain satisfaction that keeps you awake. You don't know that those... Those sleepless nights is coming, gradually. But I want to assure us that as long as you are living for, as long as you are living by, as long as you are living because of this bread, this bread, this, this kind of manner, one day your own bread too will finish. One day it will cease to satisfy. See, Everybody's bread is going to finish at some point. If they live for this, if this is what they live for, this job, this career, this success, this marriage, if this is what you live for, this is it. See, it was Elijah's bread that finished first. It was the one coming from carried to ravine. But then the widow's bread, too, is now finished. She only has a handful of flour and she has a little olive oil left. As is finished, too. And it doesn't matter if you are a Christian or you are a non-Christian. Elijah was a man of God and the widow was a Gentile living in the land of Baal. Yet for both of them, bread could not satisfy them and death stared them in the face. So what makes the difference? How do we live and not die? The second part. Man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Oh, man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. During the bomb raids of World War II, thousands of children were rescued. And they were taken from the war. There was somehow, you know... Saved and they brought them into these, uh, these houses to care for them, you know, to give them food, to care for them, to you know, take care of them. These are refugee camps. But even though these children now had food and care, many of these children could not sleep at night. They were afraid. They were anxious. They had everything. They were still but they, were, they had everything now that they needed to have. But they were afraid. They were anxious. They were still scared of waking up, waking up to find themselves once again homeless and without food. They were just What's happening? In fact, some of these children, as they ate dinner, they would intentionally keep some food in their mouth. They finished it, they will they they not eat everything, they will leave some muscle in their mouth. Just keep it there. Because they were actually, they couldn't trust that there will be food the next day. They've been traumatized, they've been disappointed, they've been because of the World War II. Nothing seemed to reassure them, nothing. Then those people working with the students, what are we gonna do? So they consulted the psychologist, And psychologists encouraged the caregivers to give a piece of bread to each child, each night as they go to bed. And he would say, no, we give them, this is, we take care of them very well. We keep, their eats." He said, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying give them a piece of bread, not to eat. Give them a piece of bread to hold as they go to bed, each night. And then over time, they found that the children slept better. They slept better knowing that when they woke up, uh, this bread is there. Uh-uh, there is the shop, at least when this one, I have this shop anchor bread. The bread reminded them that today I ate uh, with this bread, tomorrow I will eat again. You see, this takes us to John 6. If you remember this popular miracle that Jesus did, akin to this one that we see, Elijah, with this widow here. You see, in John 6, Jesus had performed this huge miracle. They got two loaves. They got got five loaves and two fishes and then he multiplied it for 5,000 people. But after he had done this, they wanted to make him a king. They said, this man, this is our Baba. yeah, swale, everything. Now you, now you. And then Jesus said, no, oh, no, 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 no be me, no be me, no be now, no be now. So Jesus, <laughs> so Jesus now crossed, Jesus now crossed over, this, crossed the sea, now into Capernaum. But these guys, they followed him. They've eaten, you know, they got food, they followed him. He had just fed them, oh, 5,000, there was even left over, they still followed him. They were too afraid. They wanted more. They wanted more physical food. Just in case they want to have a bread that they can hold, that they can sleep. It. They will have this paranormal bread. They cannot leave us. We know that as long as we have Jesus, there is bread, shop anchor. Just so that they can sleep. Just so that they will not be anxious. Just so that they will not be scared. Just so that they will not live with lostness and loneliness. With this meaninglessness. They wanted to have the bread with them. Like this World War II children. Guys, there is no doubt that Jesus wants those who are hungry to be fed. Because why is Jesus running away from them? Because there's no doubt that Jesus, Jesus wants them to be fed. That's why he did a miracle. He wants to give people that Jesus doesn't like seeing hungry people. Hungry people when Jesus looks at hungry people, he's not happy. He's sad. He wants to feed them. And this was a supernatural provision, as Tommy showed us. But Jesus is saying, hmm, 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 hmm. Look at verse 26, 27. Oh, see what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, very verily I say to you, truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Ah, look at what Jesus said. Jesus says, do not walk for food that what? That spoils. But for food that endures to eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus said, Hey, hey, this food spout, this bread finishes, this bread ran out. I've carried Ravin. Jesus said, This bread the widow does not have in Zarephath, in Samaria. There's no, you see, there's a famine. Why are you just there is something deeper here, hey. You are focusing on something that can that's still that gets moldy. When I can give you bread, I can give you something that will give you eternal life. You see, this eternal life here speaks to this greatly. Because eternal life is not talking about existing. It's not talking about what the, the Bible likes to talk about, bios, just existing. You know, it's not its not the life of, oh, I have a good car, I have a good wife, I have children, and I have fame, or I have money. No, this eternal life talks about Zoe. He's talking about a quality of life that is possible even in the absence of supernatural and natural provision. The quality of life, this kind of life. So the people say, Look at the response in 32-31. Look at the answer. Okay. So they asked him, hmm, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate. They're still going back to manna. They don't get it. They're still going back to the manna. And the manna said, No, I don't give you. They told me, I said, I did not give you manna so that you would be fooled. So, so that you may follow my commands. They're still going back. He said, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Oh, listen to Jesus' response. 49 to 50. Your ancestors had the manna in the wilderness. But what happened to them? Yes, they do what? They died. Your ancestors had the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. What does it profit a man to gain the old world and lose his soul? What? See what Jesus continued. But here, but here is what. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not do what and not die. The widow say, Hey, I will just eat this mini one. I will eat it and do what and die. But you just say, Here comes the bread that if anyone eats it, you will eat and not and not die. Oh, it doesn't end there. 45. Then Jesus, so this guy says, no, 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 go back, go back. So we have, so this guy says, so give us, give us, give us this bread. Give us, he says, sir, give us this bread always. That was their response. So Jesus told them, okay, so I'm the one I'll give another. He says, so give us this bread always. And this is Jesus' response. Look at it, 3, 4, He says, and Jesus declared, what does Jesus say? I am the bread of life. I am what the bread of life. Continue. Elijah was thirsty and hungry. The woman was thirsty and hungry. What is what is he continue? He say, whoever comes to me will never, will never, will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me shall never be thirsty, never. Oh, you can eat all this bread. You can have all these things in life. You can have all these things every day. You can have more. You can keep piling. You can keep piling, or you can store the one that you have in life. I'm not doing more than like this. He said, you will still eat it, everything will still eating, and you still die. He but this one, you will have it, and you will never die. Oh, Elijah asked the widow, please give me a piece of bread. And what did the widow say? The widow said, the widow say the widow said, I don't have any bread. But when the people asked Jesus, sir, sir, give us this bread of What did Jesus say? Jesus says, I am. I am the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread. I, he's not saying, I have the bread. Oh, he's not saying, you have to go. Look at the woman. The woman has to go gather sticks. She will gather sticks, then she will get the flour, then she will get the olive oil, and then she will make a meal. Oh, no, I am the bread. It's ready. The food is ready. It's already ready. You don't have to prepare it. You don't have to do anything to get this bread. I am the bread. Look at me. The bread is ready. I am the bread of life. Oh, when you see bread ready, food ready, what do you do? Oh, verse fifty, he says, "Eat whoever eats." Ah, Jesus saying the only thing you have to do, brothers and sisters, the only thing you have to do, friends, is eat. Ah, in fifty-six and 7, he says the only thing you have to do is to feed on this bread, feed on this bread. So where is this bread? Where? Where is this? Okay, I am the bread of life, but damn, you're not Jesus. You're the poopoo guy. Where is Jesus? I am the bread of life. Present him. Oh, in 54 to 55. See what Jesus says. He says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is what? Real drink. Real drink. Oh, what is Jesus saying? Jesus said, Look at the cross where my body was broken. Look at the cross when my blood was shed. This is real bread. And this is real drink. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Look at the cross guys. Look at the cross. What do you see on the cross? Oh. Without me. You will starve eternally. Without me. You will remain in everlasting famine. Look at the cross guys. What do you see on the cross? You see a man with like passions. Ah. He had everything at his fingertips, everything. Oh, the devil came to meet him. The devil say, "Jump down, I'll give you everything." He had his he fame, so this is this there. But you say, "No, no, 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 no." He said, "I serve the only God." I say, "That's what the only thing." See the first one. He says, "You are hungry. You are hungry. You need that. You need deep. You need satisfaction. You need meaning. I can give you. Don't worry about those things. I will give you." What did you just say to him? What did you just say to him? He says, "Man shall not do what." shall not live by bread alone he records Deuteronomy 8 3 but by what every word that proceeds from the mouth of God a man a man of passions is. he was God but yet he had a human nature he was God but yet he had he had he, he was a person and he quoted scriptures he quoted the word this is something you can read this man quoted the word is this not an example This is an example. This is how you can as- access this. Yes, okay, Jesus on the cross, I, I believe that. I believe the gospel. I can understand that. But is there not something? Is there not, how, how can I access this? How can I have the means to this? Oh, let's go back. I told you. I said I was going to tell you what makes Elijah so powerful after all. I said I was going to tell you. I am here to tell you. What makes Elijah so powerful? You see, the only thing that makes Elijah special that makes him look like he's different from us. That makes him look like he's better than us. Oh, at least the first thing we see. The word of the Lord always came to Elijah. Ah, see Jesus using the word. Isn't this the same thing? This was Elijah's secret. The word of God always came to Elijah. In verse 1, Elijah spoke the word of God. And there was no reading. Oh, and then the word of God came to Elijah. He says, go to Carat Ravine. And so he went there. Oh, in this one, the word of God says, go. I have directed a widow for you. The word of God. Every time coming to Elijah, Elijah was a man of the word of God. He fed on this word. He ate of this word. Oh, he was—he had the word always in him. Observe the widow's response in verse 11. Please give me a piece of bread. What do the widow say? I don't have any bread. But what was the difference in verse 13? Look at verse 13. What was the difference? What was the verses? Look at verse. Go on go back. Go back to verse 14. Let's see 14. He says, the first time she said, I don't have any bread. And then the next thing we see is that then the woman, he says, so the woman went away immediately. After he had now said, do my own first. The woman went away immediately and went to prepare food. Look at it. He went to prepare food for Elijah, for herself, for the. He made Elijah own. He said, so he did that. The woman, he said, when he, the woman did as Elijah told her, that was how the miracle came. The woman did as what? As Elijah told her, she heard the word and she followed what the word said and what do we see? We see that and there was food, what? Every day for Elijah, for the woman and for her family. The difference, friends, is the first time when Elijah asked for bread, he didn't say what what God said. He didn't say God is going to do this, God is going to do that. So the woman said, I don't have bread. But in verse 14, when Elijah handed for this is what the god of israel what says ah for this is what the god of israel says to woman eh? the word of the god that lives not the word of a bad that cannot speak she acted upon it and she experienced this revival she experienced this began to experience this satisfaction she began to experience this satisfaction of her hunger guys I want us to become people of the world. I want us to become people that people look at us. This is how This is how we can live with sense of satisfaction. Even when everything around us and between those that serve God and those that do not serve God is looking like the same. It looks at all of us and this family. It looks at all of us in this Nigeria. It looks like all of us are experiencing the same things. You see, the difference, I want people to look at our lives and say, the word of God is real. The word of God is real in man's life. The Word of God is real in Latin's life. The Word of God is real in Gloria's life. The Word of God is real in Lola's life. Ah, no, no, no. This she, They should say that you are a person of the world, like Elijah. I know this is hard for some of us. Oh, I'm a non-Christian. The Word of God, I don't really believe the Bible. I don't really... I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's right. I don't know. It is important that you do your research. It's important that you try to study what you can study. But I want you to try. Oh, there's no harm in tasting. There is no harm in having a bite. And I want you to do something practical. I want you to do something practical. See? I want you to try this. You see, because when Jesus was finishing this speech, look what Jesus said. Jesus said. He said, the words that I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and they are life. I know that it's hard because after Jesus said it, some people. So he said, Jesus says, I know there are some of you who do not believe. I say, and from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Then Jesus asked the 12 of them, he asked Simon Peter, he asked James, he asked John, you two, would you not leave? He said, No. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It wasn't like Peter and the rest believed, but they said, What are we going to do? But they stayed there. He said, Go to Zarephath and stay there. I want you to stay with what? I want you to just try christian i want you to try struggling with your faith or your christian faith i don't know if this thing is really this i want you to try something can you take any of the gospels can you take any of Mark or luke or matthew preferably can you take john you know and spend time feeding on the gospel of john for 30 days just spend time just spend time feeding on the words of this writer on the words that you will find from jesus in this gospel every day Oh, I'm not saying you try to rush through the Bible and try to finish it as quick as can. No, I'm saying take it gradually, little by little. Stop when you see something that challenges you. Stop when you see something that frightens you. Stop when you see something that surprises you, something that says it can't be true. Stop there and meditate and think and ask. Oh, and research and Google and, and pray and say, well, what, is, what is this? Is this really true? If you're a Christian, and you're not, feeling, you're not feeling like it anymore. You're not feeling the fire as we sung. You're not feeling the fire. It's like it's a famine in your spiritual life. It's a famine in your soul. I know that I'm a Christian, but I, I feel like there's just the a hunger. I don't just understand what is happening. It's like today I have bread and tomorrow I don't have bread. I want you to try this. I want you to take... You see, you can do one of these two things. You can take perhaps the Psalms and meditate on the Psalms little by little. Day by day, you can try this for a month. Just feeding on it, just tasting on it. Don't rush through the Psalms. Take a Psalm. You can start from the first Psalm, and as you read it, if there's anything that strikes you, you stop there. You don't have to finish the Psalm. You stop there. You eat it. You meditate on it. You, you chew the word. You eat it. You feed on it. Or you read through and a piece. Or just sit down and say 15 minutes. hour every week. One, one day a week, I will read through a particular epistle, the short short epistles, the first Timothy's, or the Thessalonians, Philippians. Just sit down and read through it. Oh, do this for a month and see, and see if you will not begin to experience a kind of satisfaction and meaning. every day went there and there was food every day for Elijah and for her and her family every day every day see boy it's not food that the widow was finding because it was the word of God that said she should do this so when the widow goes there every day it's not really flour and olive oil that she's looking for she's actually going in and saying will God's word be true today she's going in and saying ah God God's word is real ah God's word is real she goes on Wednesday and says wow God's word is real, God's word is real. It's not only void, it's not flower really, it's God's word, it's God's word that is being real. That is what I want you to do. You go every day and say, hey, it's God's word real. In 2020, last year, COVID time, was a very hard time for me. And I felt like, you know how, if I, I was telling somebody that, you know how you can, you can be a Christian Christian I'm sorry Christian I'm not I'm not like I was into I was not really like living a wayward life but you can be a Christian not fall off but you can be a Christian where even if you've been a Christian for 10 years and you're growing for 10 years and then you can get to 10 years and then you just stop growing how many you have felt like that you just feel like you just stop growing and you are not growing again you are just 10 years and then you've been 10 years for like 10 years now where you are 10 years is just how you are I felt that way I felt that way in 2020 I feel like the Word of God was not like I just felt stuck i was not deriving meaning and sense of satisfaction or any longing or anything from reading the word or praying or from being in community and people come talk to me or something and i'm just i just want to rush conversation again i'm not just i i don't want to do this we had a child during that i had my wife honestly my wife had a child but me and my wife had a child we had a child during corona and that just added to it, that just piled things up, man. Sleepless nights, I make them terrib- I make my worst decisions when I don't sleep. Like, I just make terrible decisions when I don't sleep well. And so, days of not sleeping, and just being angry about how this is injuring my plans, how this is injuring all my goals for the year, there's already COVID, and now there's this child, and then you know, it's just spying up, but well, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? And then one night, my wife was tired too. And it's like, she just passed the child to me. Like, she covered herself with the bedcloth and said, whatever you want to do, do. If you like eating him. If you like killing him. If you like swallowing him. If you like throwing him into us. I don't care. Just go. I'm tired. And I have to carry him. Man, I was just down, man. I carried this child. And I went. And I just said, maybe, 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 maybe God is real. Maybe God is real. I kind of like took, and I took the scripture. I just started struggling through the Psalms at that point. I stopped doing, I, I stopped doing, one year Bible reading plan. I actually think that is probably the wise thing for some of us. You are struggling to just finish your one year Bible reading plan, and there is no life in you. You're just reading, I can read the Bible, I can tell the Bible. But there's no life. Some of you need to stop your one year reading plan and just stay and focus on the word and feed on it and just feast on it and stay, meditate on it, take it in slowly so that it can transform you. And so I've been taking the Psalms gradually. And so it Psalm 127, and I said, I, just, I know that there's something about children there. So let me see whether it will apply to me in this is my time of need. So I now opened it and I got to that verse where it says, "Children, behold, can you, can you, behold, children are the heritage of the Lord." And I said, "You must be joking. The psalmist must be joking. He's not. He doesn't know what he's saying." Like I was, I was honest with how I felt. I was just talking. You not know, like some say that is some kind of prayer, and I was just. Talking, I said, "This is not true." Like, because I don't feel this in my life. Maybe I should go take a guy that I feel, one of my heroes of faith, Eugene Peterson, the message translation. This guy is a street guy. He will give me the way it is. So I went there and then Eugene Peterson made matters worse. Eugene Peterson translated the verse and he says, do you know that children are God's best gifts? I said, what can How can Children are what? God's best gifts? <laughs> Oh my, I wrestled with this, man. I wrestled with this. I struggled with this, days, days upon days. This was the only thing I was doing for days and for weeks. I kept on, do you know? How do I know? I'm changing my son's diaper and I'm saying, do you know that children are God's best gifts? Do you know? Do you know? I'm feeding him when I don't want to feed him. And I'm saying, and I'm thinking, about, do you know that children are God's best gifts? Do you know that you really are? So then, what's the implication of this? What does this mean? What does this say about God? What does this say about myself? What does this say about my career? What does this say about my family? Oh, I wrote it on the board in my office. Do you know that children are God's best gifts? When I wake up and come to work, I'm seeing it. Oh God, what this did for me for days and weeks, it not only changed how I looked at my son, how I looked at my wife, my family, it changed how I began to see my career, my life, my goals, my dreams, my successes, my church, my roles transformed ultimately how I saw the Word of God, I begin to feel alive again. I began to feel alive again. And I can tell you, as a result, we're having another child.
0: Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus Love people Love Lagos